Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA front office show. We've got a lot to break down today. Some positive news on the injury front, some negative news as well. Some other things going on to dive into. Keith, how are you doing today, man? I'm good, man. The injury news on our front was not good. Yes. My daughter has a broken bone in her hand and uh, her middle school soccer season has come to an end as a result. So a uh, little, little tough news here. Uh, you know, tough kid, though, tougher than her dad. She did it uh, early in the game and stayed in and uh, actually made a bunch of saves. Uh, she's a goalkeeper and uh, the, the team won uh, that last game. But uh, I probably would have cried and begged to go to the hospital and <laughs> uh, asked to have my hand amputated or something. I'm not very tough but tough kid but yeah just a bummer uh this is the first time she's ever had any form of like serious injury that's uh enough to keep her from playing in a game so it was a little bit of a rough day yesterday rough rough morning this morning well hopefully she uh she heals up quickly not fun we're, we're dealing with a ton of injuries on today's show and now you've got an injury at home too it just it just never stops the, yeah we gotta we got we gotta turn injuries off somebody that's right somebody put those sliders to zero please Please do that. Please, NBA and and uh, Keith's daughter's soccer team. Please, please put yeah. those those sliders to zero. Um, we do have a little bit of positive news. LeBron James, he's back. Yeah. He's back. Now, there's two ways to look at this, Keith. There's two <laughs> ways to look at this. So, on one hand, you can say it was a false positive, and that he's just good because of that. On the other hand, you could say LeBron James beat COVID in two days. <laughs> that's or you could look, look at it and and say uh you know well now we have definitive proof that hgh offsets uh covid tests so <laughs> so we have that as well no the, I, the in my guess perspective is, <laughs> yeah oh yeah because lebron beating covid in two days was was not a lakers perspective <laughs> <laughs> no, no, um, no. <laughs> and, and it's funny because here we are both very neutral today in, in our yes. uh, shades of blue that's right um but uh yeah no it's i, I think with this for for LeBron, obviously great news for yes. the Lakers, right? To to get him back, um, and, and now it makes sense. He was tweeting that uh, uh, that there's something fishy mm-hmm. or, or whatever it was that he tweeted. Um, so yeah, so I think that is you know clearly he must have felt like I'm I'm good. I feel great. Like mm-hmm. I'm ready to go. And and now it, in to be back this quickly clearly was a false positive now just with the way the covid stuff works though is some guys do feel great and then we've seen others like Joel Embiid really not feel well uh, also it's it's just it's all kind of ranges all over the place so yeah it is uh it is um interesting to just see how this continues to play out and develop but yeah great news for the lakers that they're going to get him back cuz they they certainly need him well and, and basketball aside great news just for him, for his health, for his family, you know, all, all of that sort of stuff, of course, as well, um, that it did turn out. It was a false positive. He took, uh, apparently, from what we saw reported, he, he's taken eight COVID tests just to, like, really make sure, and they all came back negative. So that was um, that was good news, of course, for for him. Um, all yeah, right. I, I think, too, that is, uh, yeah, that shows clearly he felt like it was a false because you wouldn't take eight tests over a period of a few days to to get back. But, you know, hey, if eight tests show negative, I think the, the official is you have to return two 24 hours apart. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm, I'm guess, guessing he's uh, you know feeling pretty good. So yeah, good news for him. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Moving on. Uh, some not so great news. Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson uh, suffered yeah. a setback. Now, it's not a setback like he's out for months, 
but still any kind of setback with zion at this point is is not a good thing um i mean the pelicans their season is already kind of in a really tough spot as it is so i don't think they're too worried about oh my gosh we have to win games right this moment but still not not a good sign that that zion is already dealing with setbacks on that injured foot yeah and it's always worrisome whenever a a big guy and and didn't i know zion is not the traditional big in a sense, but he's a, he's a big guy. He carries a lot of weight. He, that's the reality of it. But I think what is worrisome is foot and leg injuries. They just mm-hmm. sometimes take a long time to, to get over them. Sometimes they, they don't, uh, you know, it's clearly before either one of our times as a, as a peak player, but, but Walton's career was never the same because of foot injuries. Uh, but then you have a guy like Brooke Lopez who early in his career had a ton of foot and leg injuries. And we wondered, is this guy ever going to make it? Mm-hmm. And then he, he didn't, you know, now he's dealing with a back injury now, but which we're going to talk about in a minute. Uh, but it is, you know, that is, He's, he's an example of somebody who got past it. So our hope is, right, that Zion is able to work through whatever the soreness is. I think the Pelicans are doing the right thing by backing off. Uh, they are, let's see, this morning, they're five and a half games out of 10th uh, in the in the West. So that's five and a half out of just making it into the playing tournament. So that seems maybe increasingly less likely that's even going to happen. Right. Now, I do think you got to get them back because you want, if nothing else, you want the evaluation time with him and Jonas Valanciunas, him and Brandon Ingram, him and Devontae Graham, just them as a unit uh, there together to see what it all looks like. But yeah, just just an absolute bummer because this guy's one of the true bright young stars of the league. We want to see him play. Yeah, absolutely. You want him out there on the floor. The NBA wants him out there on the floor. Of course, the Pelicans want him out there in terms of just the amount of eyeballs that are going to be on the team. That certainly matters. But then you're right, moving forward, you want to see what all of that looks like when you put it together and you don't really know because he is the central piece for the Pelicans. So getting him back out on the floor is is certainly important. And it's important that he's healthy long-term. There's already kind of those rumblings that maybe he not might not be too thrilled in New Orleans. It's tough for that to change if he's sidelined. I mean, he's got to have a chance to get out on the floor and experience playing with this team and maybe see some potential moving forward if you're going to shift that narrative at all. But um, again, these constant injuries, not great. And we've already already heard that the weight has been a bit of an issue as well. Um, and dealing with a foot issue, that's, uh, that's a bad combination. So hopefully he does heal up sooner rather than later and gets back out there. Yeah, I had talked with a trainer years ago, and they said if you had your uh, kind of pick of an injury, mm-hmm. you'd rather see a guy in season have a something with the upper body, hand, arm, something like that, because then they can still keep their conditioning up. They can still run. They can still do all their things that they need to do in the off season because so much of the off season is based around ball handling and shooting and mm-hmm. that. You, you, you want to be able to do that. But in season, if you've got, you know, any kind of lower body injury and you can't run in those kind of things, conditioning is going to be an issue. And we've seen with Zion, it's just, you know, I mean, it's just the way he's built. He's going to be a guy who's going to pack on some weight if he's not, uh, you know, being super active. So, you know, now we've also seen it looks like he can shed it fairly quickly yes. too. So hopefully that is uh, something that comes into play here. But yeah, definitely, definitely concerning, you know, for now at least that, uh, yeah, we're we're here, but right approach by the Pelicans. Uh, this was bizarre and, and amazing. This took place last night. Everybody on Twitter starts buzzing about a, a Grizzlies Thunder game, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Grizzlies Thunder is getting getting all this buzz 
right now, like on this just random Thursday night in the NBA here at the beginning of December, Grizzlies Thunder gets this buzz. And I look at the score and I'm like, that can't be real. There's no way that's right. The Grizzlies beat the Thunder without John Morant. The Grizzlies beat the Thunder by 73 points. I think my wife said it best. She said, isn't there a mercy rule or something here? No, <laughs> there, there isn't one. Um, this is NBA history. This is the largest margin of victory ever. I mean, and when you would least expect it, Grizzlies thunder of all teams. And that has now set the record. Amazing. Yeah, it was really crazy. What ended up kind of catching my eye was I was watching Bulls Knicks. That was the primary game I was watching last night. And that was turned out to be a pretty good game in the end, mm -hmm. but it was, I started seeing the same thing on Twitter. I started seeing, you know, people tweeting about it. And then when it was in the second half, there, there's a guy on Celtics Twitter uh, at danger cart. Um, he is obsessed with the idea of second half double ups where you have twice as many points as your opponents um, do. And he is like his Holy grail is that one happens for a full game. Like he's, you know, as long as I've, known him as a Twitter personality is uh, talked about this. And we, we were going back and forth on it a little bit and a whole bunch of other people were and stuff. And it legit was in play Almost <laughs> all the way down to there was a minute left. Uh, if Gabriel deck doesn't hit a couple shots for the, uh, for the thunder and, and the Grizzlies don't miss a few free throws, we would have had a full game double up in points for sure. And it just was, it was really bad. And, and I kind of went to Twitter this morning and said, Hey, in the grand scheme of things, it, doesn't really matter for the Thunder. Yeah, you'd rather play again today. They've got sure. three days off now to kind of sit and stew in that own mess. Um, you'd rather get right back out there and try to, you know, all right, let's get this taste out of our mouths and go. Mm -hmm. I might a couple people say, no, you got to take a day off. And that says to me they've never played uh, sports before. Because anytime after you come off any form of bad loss, you want to get right back at it yeah. so you feel better. But in the grand scheme of things, doesn't matter. It's a loss. They're, they're built to lose this year. Anyway, my bigger thing is I'm a little more worried about their future. Those picks don't look quite as good as they once did uh, there. They, they've made some curious decisions with a couple of trades and those kind of things. But yeah, for one night, uh, they they certainly got absolutely blasted. And uh, and it was funny because I did have somebody say, did it make you rethink at all that the NBA should expand? Because he's like, they Thunder kind of played like an expansion team. Yeah. And and I was like, it, it did. It doesn't because, you know, one, you know, ridiculous blow. It doesn't make me think that. But yeah, what's crazy, the Grizzlies are so all over the place. They've got more 25-point losses. It's like five or six mm -hmm. or something like that this year. Uh, then, then they do 25-point wins and all that but winning by 73 points will do a heck of a lot of good for your point differential i was gonna say how insane is this the grizzlies still have a negative point differential on the season yeah like that's in, the they, they, they won by 73 points and they're still <laughs> a negative point differential on the season yep. that is unreal i thought for sure they were going to go a negative to positive a, a red to green move here and that did not happen should have threw a full court press on should have there at the end should have could have could have uh, really helped out that number there. <laughs> um, we do have uh, the Pelicans signed Gary Clark for the remainder of the season. So so some moves to get into here. Pelicans yep. signing Gary Clark for the remainder of the season. Um, again, Pelicans looking for healthy bodies, looking for guys who can go out there and do some things for them. Uh, so they'll give them a look. Yeah. So let's talk about this because this is an interesting mechanic 
thing here okay. for this. So the Pelicans did not waive a player. What's happening is Didi Luzada, who was suspended for 25 games for violating the uh, 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 performance-enhancing drug um, uh, protocols, policy, whatever you want to call it. Um, after five games, you that a player on a long-term suspension can be transferred to what's called the suspended list, which in effect free it does not free up any salary cap space or anything like that, but it creates a roster opening. And that's what the Pelicans did. Now, why it's a rest of the season contract for Gary Clark is we can't sign 10 day contracts yet. It's not allowed. Mm -hmm. um, so you can't go in there and sign a 10 day contract or anything like that. So what the, the Pelicans did was they signed Clark to a non-guaranteed contract for the remainder of the season. Um, then when Luzada is back, either Clark will be waived or someone else will have to be waived. Cause the minute Luzada's 25 game suspension is over. Uh, around the NBA a little bit, Houston, Orlando, Denver, Philadelphia, over the last uh, few years for him, he's, you know, forward with a little bit of size, um, you know, can do some stuff out on the wing. Uh, interestingly enough, he was playing in the G League uh, for the, um, uh, I'm just going to, uh, Mexico City Capitans. Um, he had played in eight games, started four of them, um, was playing okay. But he's just somebody that I think teams know we can bring him in, trust him to do you know, what he does and, you know, be, be all right with it. So, you know, good to see him get another shot. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the, the Pelicans will get to this, get to see what he's got for, you know, the remainder of the season here. Uh, the Nuggets signed Davon Reed on a hardship exception. Now, Davon Reed joining the Nuggets, a Nuggets team that is just, I mean, decimated by injuries. It's one thing after yeah. another, after another with this team. Um, they do add him on the hardship extension. And I've seen a few different questions floating around out there on Twitter, Keith. I thought we can get into uh, what's the difference between a disabled player exemption and a hardship exemption? Yeah, so this is a great question. So disabled player exception, what the disabled player exception is, is that is a the way I think of it hardship. Um, is a is roster exemption disabled player exception is a cap um, exception. So meaning with the disabled player exception, you do not create a roster spot. Right. Uh, you don't get an additional uh, spot to sign a player, add a player. What you get is you get an exception. Disabled player exception is either it is the the greater of half of salary up to the um taxpayer or non-taxpayer mid-level exception so if a player makes 30 million dollars it's going to be the taxpayer the non-taxpayer mid-level exception if they make five million dollars it's going to be two and a half million dollars it's the the the, yeah. uh, the the greater of of those two uh, or i guess the lesser of those two i don't know I'm, I'm mixing up my math there but that's how it works you won't get more than the non-taxpayer or you'll get half of the salary so anyway they are um how that works for the for, for a team is then they can go out and get a player to trade. Uh, there's a bunch of stipulations. It has to be an ending contract. It can't be a contract with more than, than just the remainder of the season left mm -hmm. with no options. All those things. You can sign a player. It can only be used to get one player. All sorts of stuff on that end. Um, a hardship, uh, how that works is when a team is basically hammered 
by injuries. Um, what they can do is they can get approval for a hardship to add a player. So you can have um, players up uh, beyond the 15 standard contracts. You can add a player uh, beyond that. So what has to happen for that is four players have to be sick or injured for at least three regular season games and unable to play. You can petition the NBA for a hardship. They'll grant it, and then you can add. And the minute one of those players is able to return, it's much like we just talked about with Luzada, the Pelicans, and Clark. Uh, you have to return that player, and then you have to get back into roster compliance. Mm-hmm. So you'll have to release a player or something like that. So what happens with uh, Davon Reed here is the Nuggets are going to add him uh, via the hardship. They're going to go plus one uh, roster-wise here for a little bit, uh, at least um, – for, for them, and then they will go uh, through there. Also, hardship can be a temporary thing uh, where disabled player exception player has to be determined to be more likely or not to be out for the remainder of the season. A hardship thing can be, hey, we got to get you through at least a couple weeks. And and this is why for the Nuggets, without P.J. Dozier, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., that's three guys on long-term. Mm-hmm. And then Bones Highland and Austin Rivers are out uh, due to COVID. Right. Uh, they tweaked the rules a little bit with COVID-related absences to allow the signings to happen quicker. You don't need to necessarily wait the full amount of games for those guys. To but they're down five players for at least a chunk of time. So this is, you know, the, the hardship exception is, uh, is the NBA's way of protecting itself from a situation where a team doesn't have enough players to compete. Essentially, that's that's Correct. what they're trying to yep. avoid is a situation where a team just has gets hit by injuries and they don't have enough players to actually truly play a game. And so that's what that exists for. And uh, the Nuggets are certainly in that position right now, given the number of injuries they've got. And so they are able to add someone in Davon Reed. Um, I feel like we're so injury focused today, but that's what's going on at the moment. Uh, TJ McConnell is out. With Always. A... It feels like it's all we've been. It's yeah. <laughs> it's been an injury plagued yeah, season so not far. Fun. Not fun, but TJ McConnell yeah, out with a sore wrist. Yeah, another one. Yeah, I said it when this news broke. It feels like the Pacers every few days are down another player. Um, that is just you. You're starting to think All right, the Pacers. It's just not going to be your year. Uh, they they are nine and fifteen. They're three games out of the plan already. They are thirteenth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they've lost three in a row. Oddly enough, we talked about the Grizzlies not having a positive scoring differential. Yeah. The, the Pacers do. They're, they're plus one uh, scoring differential. So that's a you know, little interesting there uh, with them. But yeah, it, it's been it, it's just just rough for them. They've been without TJ Warren uh, all season. Uh, Justin Holiday's out with COVID. Now McConnell's going to be out. Uh, uh, Russell Vert's been in and out of the lineup. Uh, Turner's missed time uh, this year. So uh, Malcolm Brogdon's missed time. At some point, something's got to give. And, and I just continue to believe that uh, this is the team that seems most ripe to make trades and mm-hmm. start moving players uh, amongst, you know, kind of any of those teams because it just feels like they're kind of stuck now. Where where are you going from here if yeah. you're the Pacers? Are you going to get back uh, into a top, you know, four or five home court advantage type team? Or are you going to get into, or are you just going to be stuck battling around the, the play in and towards the bottom of the playoff picture? And certainly there's been plenty of buzz around Miles Turner for the last few seasons now. Um, so he would certainly be high yep. on the list of players who could wind up being moved. 
um, some other pieces there that they might look at trading. But yeah, the, the Pacers are kind of in that, they're in that dreaded treadmill territory where they're not quite good enough to get a high draft pick um, or, or bad enough to get a high draft pick, but not good enough to really make a run either. So I imagine they probably do make some sort of a move before, before the trade deadline, which we've got plenty of time there. Don't forget everybody, December 15th, slowly but surely approaching. That is when uh, a large chunk of the players who signed contracts this last off season become trade eligible so that can oh, sometimes open news. Uh oh. Oh. Well, sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. No, Neil O'Shea fired. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Chris Haynes just reported it. Uh, Chris Haynes, who is as tight with the Portland organization as anybody. Uh, Portland Trailblazers have fired Neil O'Shea, ending his 10 year run as the GM and president of basketball operations. League sources tell Yahoo Sports. So there it okay. is. We so, speculated that might be coming. So thinking on the fly, that probably means that their investigation turned up not so good things. Um, we don't know for sure what the results of that are. Moving forward, what does this mean for the Blazers? Yeah. What does this mean for the Damian Lillard situation? Does that change things, you think, if somebody new is coming in and you know, assuming control of the decision-making? Yeah, I think that's where we're going to see um here oh, and the portland has also announced it too with uh, one of their you know statement of oh uh, uh, yes yeah i've like. seen it now oh yeah uh it's they they put it on the investigation uh following the conclusion of the independent review of concerns and complaints around a workplace environment at the practice facility the portland trailblazer organization has decided to terminate general manager president of basketball operations neil o'shea effective immediately due to violations of the portland trailblazers code of conduct uh joe cronin has been promoted to interim general manager while the organization's leadership conducts a search for a permanent replacement so all right so that solves the the why part on there so uh yeah um what does it mean for the roster right that so that's the, the question um first i guess you someone has a conversation with dan right? yeah well where, where are you at now does this change things for you uh, my guess is probably not all that much uh, this is not generally something that changes much for for a player. Uh, we talked. We saw Luka Doncic talked about how much Donnie Nelson meant to him, and then he signed a full max contract extension with the the Mavericks. Right. Um, so it's not. You know, I don't think think. Do these guys care? Yes, it would be insensitive to suggest they don't. I don't think they care that much about the general manager. Players are generally far closer to the coaches than mm -hmm. anybody else, uh, but. You just want to have that conversation, right? Because this is this the opportunity for Portland to kind of say, we brought in a new coach in Chauncey Billups. We're now changing the front office. Do we just blow this thing up and move, you know, everybody, start fresh uh, with everything? Um, we've all been kind of wondering, expecting. My guess is no, you want to take a patient approach. If anything, this will impact do they make moves in the off season yeah. uh, versus anything in season? Part of that is also like we've talked about quite a bit here and uh, in the last couple of weeks is moving contracts that large is difficult in, in season. Just it's, it's hard to move, you know, 40, 40 plus million dollar contracts without 40 plus million dollar contract coming back. I would have to imagine that Joe Cronin is right now getting text messages from the Philadelphia 76ers. 
<laughs> probably. <laughs> because yeah, that's, probably. I'm sure they are monitoring the situation very closely. I think that is the that's the deal they want, right? If they're going to move Ben Simmons, they want Damian Lillard. Um, again, that's not me saying it's that's what's going to happen or anything here, but but the 76ers, I'm sure, are monitoring this very closely, as are other teams around the NBA, to see ultimately what the Blazers decide to do. I agree with you, though, Keith. I think that most likely, if they're going to do anything, they wait until the offseason to blow anything up. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. You never know when you have this kind of transition of power, particularly when somebody's got the interim tag. It's hard to make a big move like that on an interim tag. But still, you never know what this might do to different negotiations and things like that. But bottom line, some interesting breaking news there out of Portland. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, just, you know, I, as you said, too, is, yeah, this is uh, other GMs are, you know, and I, and I mean this with all respect, they're vultures, right? Oh, so yeah. they're going to come in and say, hey, well, what are we doing here? Let's start really looking uh, with this. The team has underperformed. I, I just finished a radio hit in Portland before we started recording about a big chunk of it was there, 11 and 12. They're mm-hmm. kind of not looking that good. Their offense is really good. Their defense isn't. The offense has slipped just enough, which is push them below 500 uh you know where do we go damian lillard's out for 10 days with an abdominal injury you know it starts to add up uh, eventually it is yeah you know the wheels are off this thing well let's let's uh look to start going in a different direction and moving along agreed so we'll see what happens there uh and then lastly keith you know we talked earlier about zion williamson and how injuries but especially lower body injuries to big men can be really bad news you know what else can be bad news for big men back injuries mm-hmm. and that is now what brooke lopez continues to deal with and found out yesterday that he did have back surgery so it makes the demarcus Cousins signing for the milwaukee bucks make even more sense but brooke lopez out with back surgery bad news bad news out of milwaukee again more negative news on the injury front I hate that yeah, it's rough. This adds a little color to why the Bucks, who are a a team that is a far deeper into the tax than they usually are, was willing to move to add Demarcus Cousins mm-hmm. uh, right away. That that was uh, something for sure that uh, uh, came a little bit as a surprise if you really follow these things as we do here. Uh, so that 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 you know was one of those things where it was huh, that's interesting. Um, but it makes sense now because they clearly knew Brooke Lopez was going to be on the shelf for a while. Now, no timeline given or anything like that. We don't even know what kind of back surgery uh, this was. But, yeah, Brooke, Brooke Lopez out for, uh, let's say, at least a while for, for sure. And uh, they brought in Cousins, uh, played him the other night, looked pretty good, I think, in his debut game. Then he probably sat out the second night of a back-to-back not surprising is he's just working his way back yeah. uh, there. But yeah, he is, uh, you know, that, that, you know, could end up being a, a fairly uh, important acquisition for, for the box, especially if Lopez is going to be out for a, you know, any uh, serious amount of time because their only other uh, bigs on the roster of note are Bobby Portis and Giannis. And that's, you know, that's clearly not enough. Those two guys are very good. And Giannis is arguably the best player in the world right now, but that's just not enough. No. Uh, you need more to go. Otherwise, by the time you get to the playoffs, those two guys aren't going to have anything left to give you. Correct. Yeah. So, uh, smart move by the Bucks then, especially given this Brooke Lopez news to bring in Boogie Cousins. Gives them a floor spacing big. I mean, not going to replace what Brooke Lopez brought, but still gives you at least a similar skill set there. Of course, you lose a lot of rim protection, but he can at least shoot from outside a bit and give you some offensive skills. Oh, man. 
I hate these episodes where it's so many injuries, Keith. I should have finished with the LeBron thing and finish on a on a positive. But I know, it, right? We should have built to that one. That's right. Ugh. Oh well, next time. Yeah. All right, everybody. Appreciate you joining us. As always, make sure you are subscribing to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, make sure that you are following us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd love to get your reviews there as well. And of course, a five-star rating would be preferable. Till next time, everybody. Stay safe and see you.